Life Audio. Hello and welcome to Kainos Project. I'm a nine wing eight. I am a seven wing six. And we're here to help you tackle ancient truths in everyday settings. Well, if you got that joke, which Tamara has informed me is corny. It is. Uh, but if you did get that joke, uh, you might be a white evangelical millennial. And for those of you who didn't get the joke... Uh, We're talking about the Enneagram today. So over the past number of years, the Enneagram of personality has become just really popular, especially among evangelical Christians. And if you don't know what the Enneagram is, it's this personality profile that consists of nine personality types, and it's really designed to help a person see their strengths and their weaknesses uh, and how they can move towards a greater place of emotional and relational health. And the Enneagram has long been used as a personality tool, a personality framework, uh, outside of Christian circles, but it's really found a new home in evangelical spaces, uh, and much of that is owing to you know certain Enneagram experts who have written books and have done conferences, whether that's uh, Ian Morgan Cron or Matt Brown of Sandals Church, and there's a lot of others. Um, you know, there's like certifications that people get, and they have very large Instagram followings, and uh, books have been written and all kinds of stuff like that. There's also a bit of controversy around the Enneagram uh, because some people say that the Enneagram has satanic roots if for no other reason than if you draw out an Enneagram, it looks kind of like a pentagram, except it has nine points instead of five. So that's like double the amount of evil. You got a lot of corny jokes today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on a roll. You are. This is if this you, is any indication of how this episode's going to go. Yes, we're in for it. You're fulfilling your dad joke role I very know. well. So, what I want to talk about today is what the Enneagram is, where it came from, uh, whether it's something uh, useful for Christians to use as a part of their spiritual formation, and if so, like what are the limits of that helpfulness? So that's what I want to talk about today. But we'll dive into that in just a moment. So the Enneagram is a personality framework that's become quite popular in evangelical spaces. It has roots as far back as the fourth century, but only kind of sort of, and the story is a bit more complicated than that. But before we get into that, I wanted to touch on the nine personality types that are outlined in the Enneagram. So type number one is the reformer, and this is the rational idealistic type. They are principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. And number two is known as the helper. They are caring, interpersonal type is demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. Number three is the achiever. They are success-oriented and pragmatic, uh, which means that they're adaptive, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. The number four is the individualist. This person is sensitive, withdrawn. Um, They tend to be expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, or even temperamental. Number five is the investigator. Uh, This is an intense cerebral type. They are perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Number six is the loyalist. This person is committed, security-oriented. They are engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. Number seven is the enthusiast. Uh, This is a busy, fun-loving type of person. They're spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and sometimes scattered. The number eight is a challenger. They are powerful, 
dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. And a type nine is the peacemaker, the easygoing, self-effacing type. They are receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and sometimes complacent. So according to how the Enneagram uh, works and how it was designed to work is that every person has one core personality type. So in other words, you're just one of these numbers, uh, but you can have a wing. And when you have a wing, that means that you have your main personality type, but you also have strong elements uh, that are reflective of the root motivations or root fears of the number to either side of your main personality type. So, for example, Tam, you are a seven wing six. Yes. So you have, uh, you know, root motivations that tend to center on seeking adventure and avoiding boredom. And to you, like boredom is death. Yes, it is. You will you will say I'm bored. I am literally dying. Yeah. Um, but you also have uh, pretty strong tendencies of the loyalist. So you're a seven wing six. The six is the loyalist. So you tend to value security, and you really only trust the people that you know you can really trust. Right. And for me, I'm a nine which means that I tend to be easygoing and I have the ability to see multiple different perspectives on the issue. I feel like a lot of like my my uh, analysis of things on the podcast is reflective of my nine. I'm like, well, some people think this and other people think that. Right. And there's a lot of people that feel a lot of things and I can understand how they all feel. So that's kind of and my personality. Can, right. And you can kind of sit in the middle of that as you see both sides. Um, instead of like me, I'm very passionate about one side and I don't often care about the other side. <laughs> I don't care what you think. Here's what I think. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I have a strong eight wing, so I can also be fairly willful. And it has been said that I could be confrontational. Though I don't has, really see it. It has been said. Yes. People have said it and they are accurate. And it's, it's say. an interesting thing because I have the nine, yeah. which is a, uh, conflict avoidant type. Uh, but at the same time. I can be very confrontational when I feel like there's an issue of justice that, that needs to be sussed out. Right. Yeah. So those are your wings. There, there's kind of you know more to it than that. There are subtypes. There's other considerations to be made. Um, but at the, the root motivation of each personality type, the idea is kind of that um, your greatest strength is simultaneously your greatest weakness. Yeah. And so each type kind of plays that out in a different way. So a person who's a one, when they do something, they, they're going to do it right. And they have like a strong moral compass, uh, but they can also be pretty perfectionistic. And that can kind of hamper them in a lot of ways. A uh, person who's a type two, this is the type of person who is going to come to your house with a casserole within hours of you experiencing a personal tragedy. Like they live to serve, but at the same time, they can become controlling or even uh, tend towards codependency person who's a three they can achieve great things uh, but they can also be like really image conscious and like that can lead to even being dishonest in certain ways uh the type four uh these are like your artists like they are profoundly creative uh but they can also be kind of tortured souls uh the person who's a five this is probably one of the smartest and most knowledgeable people that you know like they research and they learn stuff uh, they can also be kind of reclusive or even like uh, antisocial in, in certain ways. And I mean that in the clinical sense of antisocial. Um, a person who is a six, uh, they're a loyal ally. And they they always tend to think in terms of like we, like how can we protect us? Uh, but they can also act in unhealthy ways towards people who aren't a part of the we. 
uh, the person who's a seven, they're the spice of life. They are the life of the party, uh, but they can also be kind of impulsive. Uh, the person who's an eight is a strong leader, and they know how to get stuff done. They know how to inspire people, uh, but they are also pretty aggressive. And so they have the ability to really like chew you up and spit you out without even realizing uh, that they did it. Like they they think we had a nice casual conversation, and you're like walking away in tears yes. uh, because they're just aggressive. Um, person who's a nine is a, an empathetic peacemaker, but we can also be indecisive or conflict avoidant. So that's, again, it's a bit of an oversimplification, but hopefully that kind of gives you the, the shape of it. Um, but essentially, depending on your Enneagram number, there are uh, things that you can look out for in your life that will let you know whether you are moving in a direction of health or unhealth. Um, and the Enneagram kind of just gives you some tools to address that. Uh, your root fears, your root motivations, the why behind the things that you do. Um, and some of the things that you can do to um, move to a, a place that is healthier, um, both you know psychologically, uh, spiritually, and also relationally. So for you, Tamara, that's kind of the you know the quick summary of the enneagram. Have you found the enneagram to be uh, helpful in understanding yourself and how you relate to the world around you? Yeah, it has been helpful. Um, it definitely gives me insight on the way that I make decisions because I'm a seven. Um, I'm always trying to find like the next fun thing. And like you said, boredom is like the death of me. So, uh, in very practical ways, like relationally, um, like if I'm bored in a relationship, like I kind of just am over it and like want to move on if it doesn't feel fun anymore. Uh, the same thing with like a job, if it doesn't feel new and fun, um, which probably makes sense. Like for a very long time, um, when I was younger, I wouldn't stay at a job longer than a year, not because of any particular reason other than I was bored and I was kind of over it and just wanted something different. So I found myself going from job to job because I just wanted the next exciting fun thing in my life. Um, and maybe I did that relationally as well. Um, and even now, like you can attest to this when the weekend comes around, like, what is it that I want to do? Something, something, anything, it is anything fun, right? How can we get out and go and do something fun? And you are like quite the opposite where you just, <laughs> You want to relax. I and crawl like, towards the weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, great, the weekend's here. Like, what are we doing? Like, I wake up in the morning and tell you, like, all right, what are we going to do today? And you just look at me and die inside <laughs> as I'm trying to uh, plan as many things, fun things into the weekend as possible. So I'd say, yeah, it's it's um, been helpful for me to understand who I am and also to understand when I'm being unhealthy in certain ways. Because I am a seven, um, there are definitely some unhealthy traits. Uh, I have really bad FOMO because I just don't want to miss out on a really fun thing. Um, and so I can see that like start to creep into my life and realize, wow, if I'm experiencing this, then I'm in some type of an unhealthy place in my life if I continually feel like I'm left out or I'm bored or this or that. So I'd say, I mean, it's been helpful in various ways. It's actually been more helpful to know your Enneagram number and like your personality trait than my own. It, it's an interesting pairing that you and I are because I think the seven is probably one of the more high energy personality types. And you're a low energy. And the nine is probably the lowest energy uh, yeah, of I all can the types. To that. Um, yeah. You do have low energy. 
That's just the way I am. That's you know, it's just. And I've honestly, I've had like, to learn that about. That you. There's only so much in the tank. Well, to me, it's like, well, you just find more. Like you figure it out. You know, you just pull it out of nowhere. I don't know, but that's true. Where I am often very energetic, and like, here's my massive list of things I want to do for the day. Um, and you are like, I'm going to do two things or three things. You're going to do them well, but that's like about it. You're tapped out. Yeah. You have like a, you're fundamentally oriented towards the world in an optimistic way, mm-hmm. optimistic about like the things that we can do and the things that we should do. And like, that's often pushed us into doing things that, you know, I ordinarily maybe not would have done, um, that are good. Uh, but you do that optimism also is like, we're going to do these seven things today. And I'm like, there's only 14 waking hours left. We're going right. to do three of those things yeah. because I'm just doing the math mm-hmm. and you're like, no, we can do them. And I think yeah. sometimes you'll get like disappointed that like your optimism was misplaced in all the things that you thought you were going to be able to do. Right. And because I'm a wing six, the the interesting pairing about that is um, I'm also like an anxious person. And so not getting done everything I thought I was going to get done, like just really feeds into my anxiety too. So yeah. Yeah. And I know for me as someone who is the the nine peacemaker empathetic person, I can give you like the longest dissertation on all of the considerations that must be made when thinking through an issue or a decision and say, well, there's this over here and there's that perspective and there's this perspective. And you're like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I just, yeah. I just, I'm just presenting all of this to you. And so I think for me, like uh, moving towards a place of greater health is like, um, sometimes I'll just have to pick something. Yeah. Like just pick it. Like I don't even like, mm-hmm. and if it, it, when uh, you're kind of swimming in the data, uh, as I kind of do of multiple perspectives, a lot of times for me, it feels arbitrary and I just pick something and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. So like, but I've just had to learn. You to just have to, choice. you just have to pick something yeah. and go with it. And that's real. Like you even think like relationally with us, uh, something as simple as like, what are we going to have for dinner? It kind of goes into that, like, well, I could have this, or I could have that, or I could have this. And you're just like, okay, well, what do you want to have for dinner? Um, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just I know there's a lot of I great options know, here, out there. Here's all Let th- me list them all and for you, you and what you I sat, like about them. Yeah, you sat down and you did all the research on these places. And I'm like, okay, so what are we going to eat? And uh, and me, I have, like, the impulsive decision-making often, which I think I've, like, really tried to reel that in quite a bit since we've been, like, married and we've been parents um, I've found that like being impulsive it's tough to as a, be impulsive with a three year old. You know? It really is. Like I have done, I do way more planning in my life now than I think I ever have prior to having children. So uh, I guess there are certain life events that like require you to change like what's innate to you in some respects. Like, but I have to really try hard to plan. Um, I would much rather just like wake up in the morning, get ready and say like, all right, we're leaving. Like, and not pack anything, just go. Right. So, I mean, that was like what? We went on a date when we were when we were dating uh, to the drive-in. And I was like, oh, great. We're going to go to the drive-in. And <laughs> do you remember, like, I didn't show up with anything? Oh, no, I don't remember that. Yeah. And then the next time we went, like, you brought chairs and blankets. Oh, and, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. That sounds like. Because I was like, all right, we're here. Because I got there, I'm like, like, hmm, this is suboptimal. You're like, so where are I we, could plan where ahead are you next time. sitting? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just <laughs> in your car. I don't know. I don't know how this. I mean, I know how it works, but I just was never the one to, like, plan it. So. Right. Yeah. How, 
how does the Enneagram rank in terms of like helpfulness in relation to like other personality uh, typing systems, whether it's like Myers-Briggs or DISC or Strength Finders? Like where would you rank Enneagram in terms of like how helpful it is for you or just in general how helpful it is? Um, I'm going to be really honest with you. The, within the Christian world, I think um, I've taken so many personality tests. How many and, spiritual gifts tests have you taken? Oh, gosh. Where you tick the little yeah, boxes? Yeah. I don't know. And I don't And even, I never get the gift of generosity. Mm, but I think I kind of stack the deck against that when I'm answering the questions. <laughs> so that my pastor doesn't think I have that gift. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Anyways, um, I I don't know. I think they're like all helpful. What I do appreciate about the Enneagram is it's actually like easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, where these other ones, you're you're a lot of things. Um, like strengths, you're usually like five strengths. You're like, oh, I can't remember what I was or or Myers Briggs. I could that one was big before Enneagram was big. Like that what used to be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I could never wrap my mind around it because it's like I'm an INDG. Q, F, Yeah, there's whatever. just too much to remember. Yeah, and it's just like the combination is too complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just remembering one number is a lot easier Yeah, to, to wrap mm-hmm. my mind around. And I know that is probably not doing the kind of service to the various personality tests you can have is I enjoy this one because it's simple. <laughs> I mean, and there's something to that. Like, to you, remember. If you can't understand it, it's not helpful. Yeah, I and I... Again, I've taken so many, like even where I work, we have a very specific one that like any anyone we're considering hiring has to take a personality test. Like I don't remember. I don't even remember what it is. Like I should know <laughs> because everyone has to take it. Um, and even then you can get like a comparison of like your personality with your like coworkers or your boss and like learn how to engage in those ways. But I'm just like, I don't remember. Yeah how you even are assessed on these things. So uh, that's the reason why I appreciate the Enneagram because I can remember it. Yeah. Uh, the other one that's been helpful to me is the, I do like strength finder. Um, I can't remember all top five of my strengths right now, but I know my number one strength is learner, which that seems to map onto, you know, other personality profiles that I've had. I also mm-hmm. have like maximizer, um, futurist, so kind of someone who likes to learn but likes to cast vision and likes to maximize systems. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's – that's yes, that's me. That kind of helps me to name yeah. some things in in my kind of wiring. Yeah, because the Enneagram wouldn't like necessarily speak to those things. I mean it does but just not – it's mm-hmm. – it's um yeah, it's going after different questions I think. Whereas I think something like strength finders or even the disc is like, how do you operate on a team or how do you operate in this mm-hmm. corporate environment yeah. and how can we relationally get the job done better? Whereas Enneagram is a little bit more fundamental than that, as is uh, Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. I just know for strengths, my number one is achiever. That's all I know, which that that's accurate. <laughs> well done well done, <laughs> well done test. I, like, I like to achieve things yes that is true yeah i mean me. that's just like a huge drive for me is like achieving things and when you correlate that with like my desire to have fun and not be bored like i want to achieve fun i want to achieve i want fun. to yeah i want to have fun at a competitive level yeah seriously i mean what do we, very early on in our relationship, you always told me you love the idea of like this you do. Or that. You love to plan the vacation uh-huh. more than you actually enjoy the vacation because I'm always trying to find like the most exciting, like fun thing, and then it just doesn't meet expectations. You know, 
Yeah. And That's I'm kind of the opposite where I'm like, yeah, we'll do it. It'll be fun. It'll be fine. And then like I'm in, I'm in the moment like enjoying it. And you're like. <sighs> yeah. I'm like, I'm bored. Can we go home now? Yeah. I'm bored. I'm like, you were talking about this for weeks. You were yeah. like bouncing off the walls, like excited about it. I remember being bored in Fiji for our honeymoon. We went to Fiji and it was like, why did we choose seven days to be here? This is really long. Yeah, just you're, not, be you're like, not a float on the water kind no, of person. No, I was just saying, to just I think be you like in a that. kayak, a yeah. kayak, <laughs> in a kayak floating on the water. Like, Would you just turn into Kim Kardashian over there? I don't know. I just wanted more hikes. I just wanted to like, I don't know. And I think the one part about that I really enjoyed was like, oh, we've got to ride, ride bicycles. Yeah. You're right. I'm just not someone who floats on the water. So <laughs> That's not your vibe. You got to be doing stuff. Yes, because that's fun. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of like the what the Enneagram is. Um, but I kind of want to talk about the history of it a little bit because that's the part that can get a little controversial for people uh, who right. kind of get up in arms about that. So I want to dive into that, but we'll do that in just a moment. So the history of the Enneagram, it's a little bit difficult to track. And that's partly because... Uh, certain aspects of the Enneagram are kind of scattered across the centuries. And the idea of the Enneagram, or a kind of an adjacent idea to the Enneagram, finds its roots in uh, the work of a 4th century Christian mystic named Evagrius Ponticus. The good news is that he's dead and he he won't be upset that I mispronounce his name. You most uh, certainly mispronounced it. Yeah, some dude in the 4th century, Christian mystic. Uh, he came up with these eight different personality profiles. And th- that's kind of like the raw data that was used to come up with the Enneagram later, which actually didn't come into being until the mid-20th century. And there are a couple of different uh, people who contributed different ideas to it. Uh, but there were these two uh, secular philosophers that really kind of codified this is the Enneagram of personality. And one was Oscar Ichizo, and uh, the other one was his student, Claudio Naranjo. And so they were the ones that really kind of fleshed this thing out. You can't be a part of forming the Enneagram unless your name is difficult to pronounce. That is the <laughs> takeaway from this. Uh, so both those guys... Uh, Ichizo and Naranjo, uh, they both had occultic beliefs. So they were pretty secular, but they were kind of, you know, into some of the wooby-gooby occultic kind of stuff. And that's why many evangelicals today, they learn that and they think, you know what, the Enneagram, it must be inherently satanic. It's just like a horoscope or, um, you know, whatever else you might think of as some kind of occult kind of astrology kind of thing going on. However, what complicates that is that within a decade of the Enneagram coming into the form that we know of it now, it was used by a number of different Roman Catholic orders, uh, including the Jesuits and the Franciscans, uh, and they used it as part of their discipleship and their spiritual formation processes. So whatever the the kind of creators, those two uh, secular kind of occult uh, philosophers, whatever they believed about uh, the God or the origins of the universe, uh, these Catholic orders mapped the tools that the Enneagram provides onto uh, a Christian understanding of the world, and they actually leveraged the Enneagram to uh, help people in their communities understand themselves better. And they've been doing that since like uh, at least the 1970s, I think uh, as far back as the 1960s, uh, around when uh, the Enneagram is kind of being uh, put together as a framework. And And at the end of the day, it's just a framework. It's not like 
you know, this set in stone kind of science thing. It's more of like a pseudoscience kind of philosophical uh, kind of a deal. Uh, and then flash forward to a couple of years ago and a couple of authors uh, who were Enneagram experts, they made the Enneagram more accessible to, uh, you know, evangelical audiences. Uh, a couple of them got booked at large evangelical conferences and they wrote books that sold, you know, millions of copies. And that's where we are today. And that's another lesson that's the part of the through line of evangelicalism. Uh, if there's money to be made on an idea, <laughs> we will set up that conference. We will write that book. We will set up the courses. We'll get some certification that you can put on your wall. Uh, we are excellent at monetizing and just creating an industry around anything. Um, but where we are today is that among those who utilize the Enneagram to understand themselves better, there's a couple of different expressions of that that have a couple of different outlooks. And the one is the more secular outlook of folks who kind of approach the Enneagram with the more generic kind of vibes, sense of spirituality. And then there are those who are Christians who approach the Enneagram from a distinctly Christian worldview and ha hold it within their Christian convictions um, about being created in the image of God, being uniquely created in the image of God, uh, that we are fallen and depraved and sinful, and that just happens to show itself in specific ways uh, in our personality wiring. So Tamara, with all of that in mind, just you know, everything in mind. Uh, like, what are your thoughts or your feelings on the Enneagram occupying such a prominent space in evangelical circles right now? Um, I do think it's helpful, um, but there are some uses of it that I think um, they put too much weight on the Enneagram and they put a really large emphasis on that being important within the Christian life or even within like spiritual disciplines and discipling people like they uh, use the Enneagram as like a pillar within those programs. And I think there's some caution that needs to be exercised because the Enneagram is not biblically based in terms of like you can't look into scripture and see the different personality traits and see all these types of things. Um, that's not to say it's sinful in nature just because we don't see it clearly laid out in scripture. Um, but I do think there, I just often have hesitations when there's like, um, like even just sermons being preached on the Enneagram um, because again, it's not scripture, right? So, uh, I think overusing the Enneagram is where I have issues. Um, but if you're using it as just this helpful tool or resource for people to understand themselves better, that's good. But to use it as like secondary to scripture itself is obviously problematic. Yeah, there's a large church in our area that will do a sermon series on the Enneagram. I don't know if it's every year. Or like every other year. It's pretty often though. Yeah. And yeah, I think just thinking in terms of like, you get 52 Sundays a year to teach and preach. Yeah. And you're going to take like nine of those on the Enneagram. Like, you know, we could argue back and forth about that. But, the, and then also it's like the the main feature of their spiritual formation processes yeah. within the, the discipleship model that they have. Yeah. And so it, it is really putting it in a very prominent place. Mm -hmm. um, 
which you know it is what it is i think it can be done responsibly but yeah i'm uh squeamish about it being you know that front and center i guess and i think the other thing too is that uh because it's so like common there's like so many people who like talk about it and are enthusiastic about the enneagram who don't really like understand it i guess right because oftentimes what will happen is it'll become like trendy within a church um which I think is true of a lot of the different personality tests anyways. Right. Any one that your church uses is becoming like trendy and then you just want to like call people out for whatever they are. Um, and specifically with the Enneagram, like you're not really supposed to take a test on it. Like you're not really supposed to label anybody else a number. Like it's actually once you read a book on it and fully understand all the different types, then you're able to decipher your type rather than like sitting there taking a test um, yeah, so I just think there might even just be harm done sometimes within some communities of trying to label people by a certain trait and not really knowing the impact that's making on somebody, especially if you're wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, yeah, looking at the Enneagram kind of shifting from, uh, the spaces of these religious orders in Catholicism to, you know, American evangelicalism. Uh, when you look at how it's used in those religious orders, it's kind of like a very self-reflective uh, spiritual formation, kind of very slow, oftentimes a very private process of working through some of those things with like a, a spiritual advisor. Um, whereas, yeah, in evangelicalism, it's kind of like selling a lot of books and like, Oh, that's that's such a seven thing of you, and yeah, you know, yeah. and I think a lot of times, like people just like say stuff about it with like not even really having like read or mm-hmm. researched or listened to or kind of sat under some kind of teaching or had a really reflective kind of process in that because it is trendy to have like this is my number and like you know all that kind of stuff and yeah, it, it, it kind of when it becomes so commodified like that. Um, it's going to tend towards frivolity. Yeah, exactly. What is your response to the idea that people shouldn't use the Enneagram on the grounds that it is satanic or has satanic roots? You know, I think people need to... St- <laughs> <laughs> people just need to calm down. Like, I think we just are always trying to find ways to call people heretics or like Satanists. Like, just... Like, calm down. Like, don't be so serious. Um, I just don't think <laughs> there's don't really... So I don't think it's there's, just Satan. It's fine. <laughs> that's not what I mean. <laughs> I just don't think there's enough grounds to actually say this is satanic. Uh, just because you have questions about what somebody was, like, believing who somehow influenced the Enneagram, um, I don't think then you can say it is built on, um, like the foundation of being satanic. Yeah, I think the opposition on the grounds that satanic kind of tends more fundamentalistic, uh, kind of in the same way that, um, you know, I accept psychological research uh, from people who might not have the same worldview as me. Um, I actually have an undergraduate degree in psychology. So whether it's, you know... You uh, Satanist. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's, you know, developmental psychology or theory of personality or even um, different um, kind of therapy frameworks, a lot of those can come from people who don't share 
my worldview or my understanding of the origins of humanity and right. the fallenness of our nature, um, but still provide really great frameworks that help increase human flourishing. And um, I think if you're kind of mainstream evangelical and not a fundamentalistic kind of right wing evangelical, um, you're you're fine with that tension. Um, I think um, playing with that line to get the headlines, though, it is going to mm. drive clicks. Like, you know, the thing that, you know, all these evangelicals like in the Enneagram, it's satanic. You know, you're going to get a lot of clicks on that. And right. so I think there's a little bit of that going around. And then once that kind of catches the headlines, then kind of the more fundamentalistic side of evangelicalism kind of grabs onto that. Yeah. And then makes kind of unfounded claims in a lot of ways are, you know, as poorly informed as the other people who are running around saying, that's such a seven thing of you to do. And it's like, you know, it's all, there's a lot of frivolity on the people who Both are obsessed sides. with like yeah. making it a thing. And uh, also among the people who are obsessed with making it a satanic thing. Yeah. Because I mean, sometimes within the Christian world, you'll say like, Oh, I'm this on the Enneagram. Like, what are you on the Enneagram? And depending on their response, like, you know exactly where they sit. And oftentimes it's either people who really love it or people who really hate it and say, like, I can't believe you are even, like, knowledgeable on the Enneagram in any way because it's something as a Christian we shouldn't even be around. Like, as if it's a Ouija board or something. Right, yeah. And I've read uh, both Christian sources and non-Christian sources on the Enneagram. Um, and, yeah, the the ones that are non-Christian, I'm like, oh, that's interesting, like, that you frame it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I can take the little tidbits of what you have there, but yeah. I'm going to map my own worldview of you know, what is, does it mean to be human right. onto that? Um, and I'm going to, you know, take the good stuff out of that um, and not think that the whole project is satanic. Yeah. And just understanding that it's a tool to be used. It's not like set in stone. Like this is who you are and defining of who you are. Obviously, like who you are is the one who created that is God, right? Like you're not taking this test and now all of a sudden um, deciphering anything other than what God already created you to be. Uh, and I think understanding that even something like this sits under the God who created you is really important as you're trying to know more about yourself and and, and grow into a healthier place. Um, and I think with something like the Enneagram or really any personality trait uh, test, you can find people entering into this like self-help philosophy of, oh, here's where I am and like, how do I become healthier in this place? And they're just really working hard to become the healthier side of that number Mm -hmm. and ruling out all the unhealthy. But really, we are sinners, like we're fallen people. And so... uh you can get to like spiritual health and emotional health, but in reality, what we, what we need is Christ. Uh, so like you can't work your way there through your understanding of the Enneagram. Right. Another criticism of the Enneagram, uh, is that you, as you brought up, like we're sinful and the Enneagram shows us that we're sinful in kind of specific ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, so another criticism of the Enneagram, is that uh, people use it as an excuse to keep sinning because, like, it's just the way that I am. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe I stepped all over you in that meeting, but I'm an eight, so, you know, it is what it is. Or, you know, I ghosted you for six months, but I'm a nine, so you have to forgive me because that's just the way I am. What's your kind of response to that? 
but don't be that way. Like be the <laughs> be the healthy side of your number. In the same way that um, I find myself um, making like <laughs> sometimes like really irrational choices just because I'm bored or I'm like needing something to be fun in my life. Um, that doesn't excuse the decision that I made, right? The decision that was probably not a wise one. Like I'm not excused because of that. Instead, I need to sit and realize like, ah, oh, man, like I, I need to find why I'm so unhealthy in this way. And how do I swing to the healthy side of that rather than just sitting in the unhealthy side of my um, personality trait and saying like, well, this is just who I am. Right. Like yeah. it doesn't give you an excuse to continue to be a jerk. It doesn't give you an excuse to continue to act in certain relational ways. Like it should be used as a tool to help you understand why you did whatever you did. But then you still need to realize um, there's a healthy side that you can operate within that personality trait. Right. Yeah. I think that's where it's been helpful for me is like um, gaining self-awareness in like, oh, I'm doing the thing again. Mm -hmm. I should course correct that. Yeah. Um, Rather than be like, well, this is who I am. And now I just have a better understanding of Mm -hmm. why I'm this way Mm -hmm. and why the world should accept me as I am. Right. And I even just think like, um, I guess the easiest examples are just to continue to go back to you and myself is... Sometimes I have a really long list and I expect you to get it done equally as much as I'm going to get it done. And understanding that you don't have the same energy levels that I have, um, instead of getting frustrated about that, I need to realize like, well, this is part of my personality and it's not his. So like, how do we meet somewhere in the middle? Um, Instead of like letting my personality trait just take over our entire marriage. Right. Which isn't going to work because you're going to be unhappy and I'm going to be unhappy. And we all know I just need to be happy because I'm a seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way it is. Just the way it is. I mean, I'm the one that needs to be happy, not you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, like um, being the nine with the strong eight wing, I think uh, when I become passionate about whether it be like a moral issue yeah. or um, just, you know, something, you know, philosophical or whatever, um, if I get to the point where I've become convinced of like, this is, this is it. And I don't like, I've know the perspectives and the other perspectives are wrong. Uh, that eight wing will come out and like, I'm coming for you. And I think I can do that in ways that are like fairly aggressive. And so yeah, that's, that's something of like, like, like back it back off a little off. bit. Yeah. 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 No. And that's true of you. I mean, people are afraid of you. Like that's real. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like I'm a nice guy. But I guess I mean, people you, have told me on multiple occasions, like, you're very intimidating. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm literally just sitting here <laughs> talking. I'm not yelling. But I think there's just, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's just, something that is uh, experienced on the other side of me that I don't often perceive. Right. In terms of just being aggressive, like subtly aggressive, I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe aggressive isn't the right word. Like, you're just very strong-willed and like you don't back down so maybe that's aggressive i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's not conventionally aggressive yeah i mean you're not like punching people no but i can punch them with my eyes oh gosh and my words yeah your words like you could really tear somebody tear somebody down with your words yeah i've had to learn to not do that yes i appreciate you for that (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, dang, I don't even have a comeback. Like, 
he's too witty for me. <laughs> and then I'll think of a comeback like five minutes later. <laughs> and then I'll say it and you still like your comeback is still stronger. And I'm like, dang it. I need to, I need better words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's just the way I am. So you just got to, you know, learn to live with it. Yeah. No. So that's not how it works. All that to be said, at the end of the day, a personality profiling system, it's just a tool. Right. Like me. And <laughs> and some tools today. are more helpful than others. Um, and I found the Enneagram to be helpful too. I mean, uh, just understanding myself and how I relate to the world and the things that motivate me and the things that scare me and like all those kinds of things um, kind of helped me to live into the person that God created me to be. But at the same time, the Enneagram is not by any means the end-all, be-all. It's just a personality profile. Uh, It's just this framework that somebody came up with and other people worked on, and it helps us to understand things. Um, But it's not, you know, everything. Uh, And so if you find it to be a helpful tool, that's great, because God gives common grace uh, and people who have learned things and thought through things that we can benefit uh, from as people who are under the special grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't found it helpful, that's fine too. You don't you know, have to read any books or do anything, and we're not going to make you feel guilty about that because it's just a tool. And if it's not helpful to you, then don't use it. Uh, but in either case, I don't think the Enneagram is anything that we should become obsessed with. Whether you are obsessed with it in the sense that you're starting to believe that it's literally the answer to everything, or you're obsessed with it in the sense that you need to expose it for the satanic evil that you believe it to be. Um, in any event, it is undisputed that God has wired you in specific ways, in in unique ways. Um, yeah, and anything that is going to help you to understand that a little bit better, uh, that unique wiring and uh, help you become healthier in that and hopefully more faithful in that, um, at the end of the day, that's something that we're for. Thanks for listening to the Kynos Project podcast. Thank you also to our partners at Life Audio. Visit lifeaudio.com to find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in the network, including shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today, consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating and review. And be sure to visit our website, kynosproject.com, for more helpful resources. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.